You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part two of my pre-draft conversation with Eric Crocker. This episode brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. At BD Peacock is where you can find me. Hit me up on Twitter. Join in on the live Locked On slash Draft Network broadcast all weekend long covering the NFL Draft on the Locked On NFL YouTube channel. All right, longer episode here. We got to get you ready for this NFL draft. Eric Crocker, my guest, turned into a two-parter. We had a super long conversation, had fun chopping it up about wide receivers, quarterbacks, and his specialty corners. Today's about cornerbacks, and I think the 49ers could take one or two in this draft on day two and three. So over the course of the weekend, adding some talent in the secondary. So that's why we brought Eric Crocker on. Some of his favorite prospects at corner, the position he played But as all conversations about the 49ers do, it sort of wound its way through some quarterback conversation as well. So the reports are Mac Jones or Trey Lance. I think we've got somebody that's on Team Trey Lance here. Let's finish up the conversation with Eric Crocker. Eric, are the 49ers really going to draft Mac Jones? I thought they weren't going to go back to the Alabama well, right, after they got burned by Nick Saban. This can't happen, can it? Yeah, I, ne- I just never, I never bought into that. I know people say that because of the whole Ruben Foster thing. I heard, I heard uh, Nick Saban come out on TV and say, "Look," and he used the word like a candy striper or something like that. I don't even know what that is, but he basically was like, "If if you want a choir boy or something, Ruben Foster is not that. But if you want a heck of a football player and somebody that's going to go all out, like Ruben Foster is that." So I do think like everybody says that he lied and stuff. I think he was honest. <laughs> he said this right. in the media, like, so I'm pretty sure behind closed doors, he said it. And one thing about like, you know, Nick Saban, he doesn't have to lie and pump up a player to get him drafted higher. Like he's a factory. He's going to have guys coming out every single year. So Ruben, a guy like Ruben Foster and telling the team he's something that he's not, it's not like, it's not going to help him or his program. Now say like North Dakota state, if they want to say things about Trey Lance and kind of fluff it up. Well, yeah, we'll, we, you know, we only have a guy getting drafted out of here you know, three over the last hundred years or whatever, right? But <laughs> Alabama, they got 10 guys getting drafted every single year. So I don't think he's just going to sell one guy and kind of lie about that. That's just my opinion. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I just couldn't see him doing that because it didn't. It doesn't benefit him at all. Yeah, he's no. going to have guys getting drafted every year regardless. It doesn't benefit him at all. You know what I liked, though? I loved the T-shirt that Trey Lance was wearing at his pro day that said QBU. For North Dakota oh, State. Oh yeah, I loved it. I thought that was awesome. I like. I thought that was a little bit of a flex for a small school, one double A program to be like, we're putting quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know what you guys are doing. And Trey Lance is obviously a great prospect. So um, the well, those are the three players I was talking about. Like they, you know, three players in the last three years. Well, they're all quarterbacks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, hey. And I, I, I'll say this. I know this is not the quarterback podcast, but if I had to put money on any quarterback in this class being successful. I would bet my life savings on Trey Lance. Oh, why you got to say that, Crocker? Because I got to have a follow-up. I, we, we, we can't just leave that alone by itself. You're talking <laughs> about Trey Lance over Trevor Lawrence? Yes. If, if I No, I'm not saying I would take him over, but I'm saying if I had to bet my life savings 
on one guy, it, it would be him. And, and this is why. I've been around a lot of players. I've been around a lot of NFL players. I've been around a lot of guys at every level. And a lot of guys that fail out or flame out, is a lot of it is because of the person that they are. Typically, it's not a talent issue. It's the things, the intangibles, like the things that you can't really teach, or you either have it or you don't. And everything I've seen, all the information, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of different things. I've watched all these different videos, everything, all, all these guys. Everything I see and hear about Trey Lance leads me to believe that this is a guy that's going to work to overcome any issues. He bets on himself. We saw what he did, right? I mean, I know you've heard about it. Coming out of high school, didn't have any offers to play quarterback. Wanted to go to Minnesota bad. Minnesota was like, well, we'll give you an offer, but not as a quarterback. We'll give you an offer as a safety. So I don't want to play safety. I want to play quarterback. Went to North Dakota State. Had the red shirt. Then they talk about him, um, you know, during his red shirt year, studying NFL defenses because he just was bored. He's like, it, it, so he does that, right? Then he comes in as a fresh or as a, you know, his red shirt freshman year. Now they bring in a quarterback from what Iowa State to take to be the guy. He actually had to beat this guy out in camp as a true fresh, as a redshirt freshman. Like they didn't hand him the job. It wasn't like, oh, this is the next guy, Trey Lance. Like, no, they brought a guy in to play and he had to beat him out. Then he went on and went undefeated. They played to the way where they felt was best to utilize him during that time. We're talking about just a 19-year-old kid, right? So people want to talk about like some of the accuracy issues and stuff like that. Like, man, this dude was young. Right, but he just looks like a grown man. <laughs> yeah, um, but and this um, the zero year old kid. The zero interceptions thing is crazy. Like there, there were balls he threw that should have been picked off. So there's that obviously, and there's some context involved with that. But to throw t- twenty eight touchdowns and zero interceptions, like that's just a really cool thing. And I think it just goes to show uh, what's going on upstairs because he wasn't somebody who was just like, look, I got this big arm. I'm going to chuck it all around the field or anything like that. He was working within the offense and you can see that. And I think that's why it's easy for teams to look and NFL teams. If you're watching that offense and a lot is like, Oh, Hey, this is, looks closer to Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's a pro style offense. I don't think it's even as much as look, he's, he's working through the offense. I think that's the important part is just like he's working through the structure of the offense. And and I I think that's pretty important. And if the 49ers end up making the selection in the end, I think that's the thing that'll tip Kyle Shanahan is not, you know, obviously the upside is there too, but just seeing him work within the offense and work proficiently and not turn the ball over and, and, and not be stupid. And, and, it's funny because I'm not surprised at all that the scoutings like that's the story right now is that maybe Adam Peters and the scouting staff loves Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan loves Mac Jones and they're trying to convince him. It's like, look, please take Trey Lance. Don't take Mac Jones because of all this upside and all this projection. And in the end, I think Kyle Shanahan would see that and be okay with it because of those things. And maybe there's less of that to be okay with with. Justin Fields, and maybe that's the 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 deciding tiebreaker with all those three quarterbacks. Yeah, and I think over that, I mean, because we see the traits. We know he has the traits. We know there was some inconsistencies, but just his willingness to work on some areas where he wasn't as great, and to the extent that he was doing it, to the extent of, um, you know, getting with John Beck and saying, hey, what what do I need to work on? Don't sugarcoat it. 
know what I'm saying? Like, that's what he told him. Like, mm-hmm. and he, I think John Beck was kind of blown away by somebody that was that willing to improve on areas where he wasn't as great. And you just hear all these different things about the character and the person that he is. I can, un, I can 100% see why a guy like Adam Peters, who's a high level, um, you know, front office guy, fell in love with this person because you see, those are the type of guys that end up being quote unquote, the outlier. Like, Oh, well, how did Josh Allen get better? How did he improve on these things? Well, Josh Allen works his butt off to improve on those things. And there are some guys, regardless of what people think, there are a lot of guys that don't love football and they kind of play it because, well, I'm good at it and I've been doing it all my whole life. And it's like, all right. And they'll do just enough to where they're solid, but do they go above and beyond? And Trey yeah. Lance, he's somebody who I would never count out because of all the adversity that's kind of had to battle through going, the pressure that was on him, I know a lower level, but to win at North Dakota state as a freshman. And then now kind of betting on himself going to the NFL. I just feel like he's somebody that is not going to let himself down and he's not going to let down the people that bet on him. So I felt for a while now that Trey Lance was going to be the pick. I mean, we'll see how it works out, but if they picked him, I would love that because I can clearly see where, what he's going to turn into because of the type of work that he has. I've been around a lot of these guys. They're, they're, a lot of these guys don't want it like that. They just like the thought of it, and it's just like, well, I'm just good. And you hear some of the comments, like even with Trevor Lawrence, what he says about, you know, well, football doesn't define me and stuff. And it's like, okay, that's great. Like, But then you hear his dad come out and his coach, well, you know, if he never wins a Super Bowl, he's not one of those guys that's going to, like, dwell on it or anything like that. He doesn't care about things like that. And it's like, what? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, investing dude, a lot of money into you. Michael Jordan. Like, I need you to... Michael Jordan would lose his mind if he lost like a a, a ping poker, pong match, like, yeah, poker or whatever. Like he would he would lose his mind on that, and like that's almost what it takes. You almost have to be broken in that way where you were like, it's all about being the best and and working. And I love the stories, and those are some of my favorite prospects always of those players who were under recruited because the big time recruits it's it's very different the un the under recruited guys the guys and i see that a lot with scouting reports where players get double credit they're like well he was bad in college but he was a five-star recruit it's like that makes me not want to draft him give me the opposite right. give me the demarcus Ware who was 160 pounds when he was in high school and then became <laughs> like a stud defensive end and had to go to troy university right or Trey Lance, who had to go to North Dakota State because it's the only school he could go to that would let him play quarterback and watch him develop and the smarts are there and like everything intangibles-wise seems to be there. And when you mix those intangibles with the tangible and that athleticism and the arm strength, and he has all that, and you believe that he could be coached up and could become a guy. The question I have with Trey Lance is prevailing wisdom is that he has to sit, but to me, the thing he needs most is playing time. That's what he's missing. That's the incomplete part is playing time. So I don't want a guy to come in and then sit. And then in September of 2022, he hasn't played a real football game since like December of 2019. That doesn't make sense to me. I want to, you know, he needs reps. That's the thing he needs the most. So I don't know about sitting him completely, like sitting him early in his first season. Fine. But he's got to play as a rookie to me, even more, than Justin Fields and Mac Jones, in my opinion. Did, did you hear what he was doing to kind of stay like in in, in tune with everything? Uh, I heard the thing about like how he was preparing, working out with uh, with what, he was he was getting pro playbooks, right? Or was that was that during? Yeah, he was he was he, he, he was asked teams playbooks. for the pro playbooks, so he had something to do while he was off during 2020. 
and he would go through the playbook and go through it as if he was game planning for a game. So like he would week. have like, you know, uh, second downs on this day, third downs on this day, like, you know, key plays, red zone, all those things. And then at the end of the year, I mean, at the end of the week, compare that with an NFL player and their notes and they go over everything and he kind of go through game plans like that. So again, this is somebody who's like trying to do everything possible. And I get it. He's not perfect. Okay. There's some, you know, uh, cons- inconsistencies with his accuracy, but I've asked my buddy, like a quarterback guy. And I asked three, I actually asked three quarterback guys. What's easier to improve on processing or accuracy. And all three guys said accuracy. Like, and, and it's just one of those things that is like, obviously you have to kind of find out what the issue is and then work on it from there. What Trey Lance sound like, well, he's kind of popping up and down with certain things. Maybe is you know, he's opening his shoulder or all these different things, but they are correctable if you work on fixing those things. And he's somebody that you at the very least knows he's going to put in all the work to improve on those things. So those are the type of guys, like I want to bet, bet my money on him because he's just different. And again, I've been around a lot of guys. There are not a lot of guys like that. It's so important. It's a huge piece of the puzzle for how good any player is going to be, especially a quarterback. And that bodes well for his career, I think. And with his obvious talents, I I wouldn't say he has the highest upside in the class, but I think he's right there with Justin Fields. I wouldn't say that Justin Fields got, you know, much bigger upside either. I've heard some people say, oh, Trey Lance, biggest upside. It's like, well, he's an inch taller. Is that why? You know, maybe he'll fill out more. He's pretty young, but these guys are all pretty young. Upside is absolutely huge. Arm talent, because of the accuracy, I'd give it to Justin Fields. But when you're splitting hairs, who do you believe in from the neck up? And if that's Trey Lance, then that should be the pick, more so than because of the offense he played in in college. So, yeah, I love Trey Lance. When he was at pick 12, I was like, oh, I hope he falls to the Niners. That would be such an awesome fit behind Garoppolo for a short term. But, again, I don't want him to sit all year. I want him to play. And I think there's a higher floor maybe with both Fields and Lance because of their athleticism, because of their arm strength. I think you can scheme things up early in their careers and stress defenses. And I can, I think they can play at a base level early on. And I know it's a huge jump from 1AA to the NFL, so that'll take some time for Trey Lance. But I definitely don't want him sitting all year either, On no matter what team I'm drafting him on. All right, we got to talk cornerbacks. That's why I brought you in here, Eric. We're in part two. We haven't really gotten to the cornerbacks yet with these podcasts. Your top corners, day two and day three coming up. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. Team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks. No, watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. And best of all, it's automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash NFL. Grow your wealth. Do it the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. All you need to get started is $500 and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free for life. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's Wealthfront, W-E-A-L-T-H-F-O-R-N-T.com slash LockedOnNFL to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNFL. Get started today. Eric Crocker, at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Croc Time TV. 
the Crocker Report. Can we talk about cornerbacks a little bit? Your specialty? Like, Let's that's the it. reason I want to talk to you. Like, who are the 49ers going to draft? Pick 43. Who's going to be there for the 49ers? Who are the 49ers taking a corner? They need some stinking corners because in 2022, they got nobody on the roster practically. And look, they could be in trouble depth wise this year and maybe even draft somebody that could start early in their career. So, who do you like day two for the 49ers at cornerback? So there's two guys that I kind of have pegged in my head that I really would like at pick 43. The first guy is Tyson Campbell. You know, I think he fits, you know, from a, you know, a, a length standpoint, uh, you know, a skill cornerback. We're talking about the cornerback out of Georgia, number three. Um, you know, he has the ability. He was a guy who was like, you know, state 100 meter and 200 meter champ in yeah. Florida. So, he's you know, he's a 10-3 guy, got the speed. He has a size of 6'1", 192, pounds, um, you know, has the length. I think between him and Patrick Sertain, they're probably two of the most patient cornerbacks at the line of scrimmage that I have ever seen. And that's that's a huge compliment. Um, I mean, they went to the same high school, so maybe they yeah. you know, it was just coaching uh, there was a Chad third, Wilson. There was a third corner, too. Um, Marco Wilson. Yeah, uh, Quincy Wilson's brother, right? Quincy Wilson in the NFL yeah. also went to Florida like Marco Wilson. All three of them are like 4-3 speed, like mm-hmm. – Obviously, it was a Heritage High School, I think it's called, right in Florida, is a famous, like, obviously, they're a powerhouse. Former 49ers corner Mike Rumpf is one of the coaches. Yeah, well, Mike Rumpf, um, Chad Wilson, who was Marco Wilson's dad, he's one of the DB coaches. And also, I want to say Patrick Sertain Sr. was the head coach, yes. I believe. Yeah, 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 he is. Yeah, so, yeah, they got a good thing kind of going over there, um, we, we, you know, working with those guys. But they, uh, you know, his technique sound. I think the the biggest issue with him that at least kind of popped up a few times was at the catch point. Now it's not normal guys at the catch point. Like he's playing in the SEC. Like if he was playing in Pac twelve, um, Big Ten, like you know some of the Ohio, like uh, you know Big Twelve, like some of these other conferences, he probably just would be like super shut down and have no issues. But he played in the SEC and he's on an island with Kyle Pitts and Kyle Pitts, you know, gets him up in the air on it. In the end zone, terrific catch. I thought the ball placement was amazing um, for a touchdown. Wow. But the technique Crocker, and everything leading up to that point was Eric great. Crocker over here just crushing West Coast football, calling the Pac-12 trash. Unbelievable. It's, it's not – you're not facing the same caliber of guys that he <laughs> faced week in and week out. And, I mean, he went from Florida to, like, okay, now I have to guard Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, that's just – it's just different. Like, look at the first four pass catches that are probably going to go off the board. Maybe even the first five, it could potentially be Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, uh, Devontae Smith, um, Terrace Marshall, Jalen Waddle. That's that's five guys. They're all from SEC. Those so like you know those are like guys he's hasn't having to play against. I didn't even mention anybody from Georgia, <laughs> you know. So it's it's just it's just different. It's just different in how you're being tested week in and week out. So I know there's a lot of analytical people that might look into numbers and whatnot. But it's like we have to take into account who this guy is playing week in and week out and understand, like, yeah, these are guys that are highly sought after even going into the NFL. Like they're all going to be first round picks. So, you know, that's just it's a little tougher, you know, from that standpoint. But I thought he competed. I thought he battled his butt off in every game that I watched. Um, I thought he made life tough on receivers, even if they were able to kind of make a play or fight through. He didn't give up anything. I always reference the game uh, week one against the Arizona Cardinals for the 49ers where Devontae, uh, I mean, Deion, why am I blinking on his name? 
Uh, number 10. Receiver from Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Hopkins. Oh, oh yeah. DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah. Um, so DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, caught 14 passes and it was like, none of them were contested. <laughs> you know, like it's just pitch and catch the whole time. At least make a guy work for it. And I thought Campbell did a terrific job of making guys work work for it uh, throughout routes. And, and then the other guy would be Asante Samuel Jr., Hold Somebody who may not go. Hold on a second. I, I want to go high. back. Hold on a second, Croc. I want to go back to Tyson Campbell real quick. The big thing with him is people knock him for ball production. It was like one interception in in two years or something like that, and not enough passes broken up. That's not a problem for you. You didn't see that with him contesting catches or anything like that. Yeah, I thought he was always there, and if he guy caught it, he made him work for it. I think a lot of it is well, cornerback. There's a lot of luck <laughs> that goes into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Everybody just thinks like, oh, you're supposed to be just a shutdown guy. And if you watch him, you see plenty of games where he's in great position or locking guys up. But sometimes, like, you know, you you can be in great position and guys just make catches. And I thought that happened to him a good amount of times. It was never like, oh, man, he just just can't cover, right? Because you can look at a guy and see, like, can the guy just not cover? No, he can cover. And his film was really good from that standpoint. I think if somebody wants to look at the numbers and – kind of knock him because maybe there's not as many pass breakups as they would like to see. Just watch his film and just see how he's competing against guys. And from that standpoint, I think you would like him. And I think that's why I can envision him being more of a second round pick yeah. instead of a first round pick. And um, so height, I think that might be the difference right there. Height, weight, speed wise, he absolutely matches up with what the 49ers have been looking for on the outside. I don't know exactly how D'Amico Ryan's defense is going to look on the outside. Are they still looking for those long, lengthy cornerbacks are they going to play, play as much uh, zone are they going to try to play more man so that's a, a big question that we don't really know and we're projecting what the 49ers are doing is Tyson Campbell one of your top cornerbacks because I know you have your top five for sure ranked out is he in that range could the 49ers potentially draft one of your top five corners in this class of 43 yeah and I have him right there at five and that's it I have him ahead of his teammate um, Eric Stokes Jr. who may Ooh. go actually a little bit higher Potentially. Yeah, because if I was doing a mock draft today, and I oh, shoot, I don't want to spoil my mock draft shoot that's coming out later this week, I think I'll probably put Eric Stokes there just because he's got the length. He's over six feet, 4'2 speed. He's got 32-plus inch arms. I just think he hits a lot of the things the 49ers might be looking for. And because of those reasons, he might go even higher and might not be available for the 49ers at 43. But what do you see with Eric Stokes? And you actually like his teammate more. That's interesting. Yeah, so Eric Stokes, I really like his ability, but I know like when I was, remember, when I watch film, I don't look at height, weight. These guys, I can't help but know their background on speed. Eric Stokes was another guy that was all state in 100 and 200 meters in the state of Georgia. But when I'm watching him, I noted, I don't think he plays as, as explosive as he's going to test. Yes. And I thought from that standpoint, I don't think he challenged himself enough. I talk about how much Tyson Campbell challenged himself. Um, you know, when guarding guys, Stokes, when you possess that 4-2 speed, dude, you're supposed to be playing underneath everything. Make them have to beat you vertically. I thought a lot of times he was just either playing coverage a little too soft and not closing on, you know, in breaking routes or playing a little bit too soft from a bail uh, technique. I thought sometimes when he was in man coverage, man coverage on guys, like even like a guy like Jalen Waddle was like, you and Jalen Waddle, you're just as fast as him. Why are you such in a rush? To get over top, and then boom, he sits it down, and you give up this, you know, or potentially give up a, you know, fifteen yard catch um, because you're not challenging yourself from that standpoint. But you have this capability, so I think there were a lot of things like that going on with Eric Stokes' game, where just 
he wasn't the film didn't really match the measurement skills. Now sometimes it looked good. Like I thought for the most part his press technique was really good. I was watching him in 2019 against this receiver from Tennessee. Big receiver. Like not even like fast or a guy that went undrafted to the Saints. And I'm not saying this receiver was terrible, but it's like, how is this guy giving you trouble? Whether it's at the line of scrimmage, he's stacking you and getting vertically on you, but oh the ball is overthrown. Um, he kind of was pushing them after plays and kind of bullying them. There was just a lot of things I didn't really like, truly care for seeing. I, from a traits perspective, a lot of people are going to like him. From the film, I like his technique at times, but I definitely thought somebody that possesses his type of traits, he should be challenging himself just a little bit more. I know he's been working with the trainer, um, Oliver Davis, and maybe Oliver Davis can kind of get him to buy into those things, the technique part of things. If he does, then you know we're having a different conversation. I saw... It was Eric Stokes is a weird evaluation, for, and I look at defensive backs so much different than you do. This is why I like talking to you about it because you're looking so much at technique and things I'm not really keen on when I'm watching these players. But just from a, a trait standpoint, I would see him in a situation where he would be blitzing or something, and all of a sudden it was like he was shot out of a cannon. But when he was covering guys, I didn't see as much explosion. Like it was almost like when he knew he could go all out and could just go full go and run then it was natural and you see him explode like, oh my god that guy's a freak of nature look how fast he is and this is like rushing the quarterback yeah. but then in coverage you almost didn't see the 429 speed which i thought was interesting yeah didn't and i remember watching him great play against florida where he like stayed square pressed his guy and then like he was guarding his guy and then kind of like peeled off of a route got an interception it was an amazing play and then he kind of got it and kind of like went to the right. And then he just hit this like super turbo <laughs> speed burst. And I was like, whoa, what the <laughs> heck was that just now? Like, and he ran in for a touchdown. And that's when I knew like, I think this dude's really fast and explosive. That's when I had to look him up and see like, wow, 100 meter, 200 meter state champ. This guy's going to run really fast. I see it there, but I don't see that same explosiveness yeah. with his like throughout like him guarding guys or the confidence in that explosiveness. Campbell over Stokes, the teammates there from Georgia. Who else do you like in that second round range? Um, Asante Samuel Jr. Um, like his game. I know there's going to be some people that aren't as high on him because, you know, he's a smaller guy, 5'10", 180 pounds. But, um, you know, when I first initially put on this film, I remember the first game I watched was like a 2019 game against Clemson. And he played only to the field. And I was like, okay, only to the field. They had another guy to the boundary. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe they just feel more comfortable. This guy, he's just more physically imposing. So they have him pressing. They got Asante Samuel Jr. playing off. When they did go to man coverage, sometimes they would put him in the slot and he would play man there. And then in the red zone, when they got inside the 10, they would like completely take him out. And I'm like, okay, everything they're telling me about this guy is he's a nickel. And that's not even counting like the first play of the game. He got bombed on. Um, T. Higgins caught a jump ball on him. Second play of the game, they caught it was kind of a trick play, and they caught it on him. I'm just like, okay, everybody told me about the Sante Samuel kid, and it's not looking great early on. <laughs> but I continued to watch, and the first thing I noticed that was positive was like, wow, he's a great tackler. Like, that was the first thing I noticed. Then I watched the other games, and I started to see much better film. Still 2019, saw him doing a really good job of, like, challenging himself from a bill, breaking on passes, like, knocking passes away. That he's aggressive. I started to see him still in the game um, inside the 10. I thought he uh, he played more press in some of these other games, did a terrific job there. Went to 2020, watched him against North Carolina, did a great job against Dami Brown. 
um, uh, watch them play press, off, bail, challenge themselves in space, play some catch, play more of a shuffle technique. I started to see all these little things where I'm like, wow, I really like it. Love the physical aggressiveness of his tackling. Like, you know, I noted that already, but he probably was the best tackling corner in this class. And, and that's not to say, like, I put a whole lot of stock in the tackling corner, but it lets me know the mindset. You know, I'm wondering, like, well, he looks smaller. You know, how is he going to be in the red zone? But he was knocking away passes in the red zone. I thought he was really feisty. He really reminded me a lot of, like, Kawan Williams, but, like, an outside version <laughs> of him. Um, and, yeah, there was a lot to like about him. I think there's versatility. I think the team is going to have to figure out, do they want to play him on the outside or is he going to be more of a nickel? I think the way the kind of NFL, you know, we see, like, the NFL happen in these kind of, like, trends where teams kind of follow each other. There was this trend of a lot of single high. If you notice the 49ers last year, they started transitioning more to, like, a two high cover four quarters team. Yeah. And if, that's, if that continues to be kind of a trend on what guys need to do, then you don't need these big, physical cornerbacks. You just need guys that can really cover, be able to kind of get in and out of their breaks quick. I think he fits that mode. And, I mean, we see the 49ers right now with, you know, Jason Verrett, Emmanuel Mosley. Like, those aren't big, long corners. But yeah. they're kind of projected to be the 49ers starting corners. And if they continue to look for guys like, not saying like them, but just guys that can just cover, regardless of height or weight or speed or whatever, I think Asante Samuel definitely um, fits that mode. I've seen people compare – Asante Samuel to Jason Verrett. And I feel like every team in the league is playing a lot more cover four. Is that like the new thing? It's been the thing in like high school football and in, and in college. And now I'm seeing it kind of transition to the NFL, like because it's kind of like a matchup type thing where if a guy goes a certain distance, it kind of turns into man. If you have guys that are able to like challenge themselves more, especially and play well in space, then it's definitely a dangerous defense. Um, the, the, the Rams played a lot of it last year. Their head coach went to the Chargers. I expect them to play a lot of it. The Packers are going to that kind of defense. So I, I think it is something that you might start seeing a, a lot around the league. Obviously, Fangio's been running it since his time with the 49ers. Yeah. All right, it doesn't stop there either because day three, even if the 49ers do take a second-round corner, I think they can double up. I think they maybe should be doubling up and taking two corners in this class. Maybe if they don't get the right guy at 43, you're starting to look into the 100s for one of those cornerbacks. Names to watch this weekend coming up. You're running out of time to get involved with some of these draft props at betonline.ag. A couple of interesting ones here with Penne Sewell over under five and a half. Trey Lance over under pick six and a half. And some of the information we're getting now on what's going on with pick three and pick four. Kyle Pitts five and a half. Trey Lance six and a half. Starting to really feel like both of those are going to be under. A ton of other over-unders on different players which teams will pick what at the top. We've got win totals now on the 2021 season for teams. And, of course, the other sports that are going on right now, NBA action just about every single day, NHL, Major League Baseball, poker, awards shows, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can't imagine. Free to sign up. Just go to the website, use the mobile app, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with Promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. A big reason to repair and maintain your vehicle is to save money. And because chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do it yourselfers, rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and always reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear. 
like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Just go head over to RockAuto.com. The website is super easy to use. Find whatever you need for any, and I mean any, make or model of car or truck. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers for 20 years online. They have everything you need, tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, small parts, big parts, aftermarket kits, whatever you need to get your car looking and performing its best. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks and get it delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com day three so let's say the 49ers do go with a different position in the second round the corner or just want to double up and draft another corner and and i think they probably should absolutely do that are there any later round guys like mid-round third late third fourth round maybe even fifth or sixth round guys that you like at corner yeah there's probably a few guys that people might you know just throw out right away i'd say uh benjamin st juice from you know minnesota a lot of people are gonna like him six three 200 pound guy Watching his film, I was like, whoa, it looks like a killer witherspoon, but like a more naturally aggressive physical version of him. Um, so so there's him. I think he's a versatile corner. He was able to play press, uh, play off as well. They challenged him a lot in space at Minnesota. So you'd like to see that. Um, he, I think he did very well at the senior bowl. Another senior bowl guy, uh, Taylor, Keith Taylor from Washington. Um, you know, he's another guy who one of those longer guys, uh, plays well. Um, they did a lot of stuff with him at at Washington where they play them in press, they play them off, they play them in the nickel. They did a lot of spot dropping stuff, which is a little bit more simpler of a defense. It was kind of weird defense that they ran sometimes at Washington, keeping everything in front of them and whatnot. But he's somebody I could see in one of those later rounds. Um, I don't think he ran as fast as he probably would have liked to, him or St. Juice. So they could slide to like potentially day three. That's why I would feel more comfortable taking them. And then one of the more, I guess, underrated guys, I would say, um, nobody's really talking about him, but I thought his film was terrific. And, you know, I always have one of these guys that I typically like a little bit more. Last year it was Parnell Moley. This year it is Elijah Griffin. Um, he's a cornerback out of USC. I think he's, like, super feisty, scrappy. Um, I think he has a versatility to play inside or outside. Like, he's not, like, the big guy, but he looks bigger than Asante Samuel Jr. Um, you know, I thought he has nice twitch to him. He's extremely aggressive. Um, I thought he was consistently competing at the catch point. Um, he was somebody I liked a lot. His his dad is Warren G. So um, that's who, you know, Elijah Griffin is. But uh, he's somebody who could be a later round pick. Uh, and I'm guessing here because I just don't hear anybody talking about him. And we'll see if the NFL ends up being higher on him than draft Twitter. But if you can get him, you know, fifth, sixth, you know, undrafted, uh, that would be somebody that I definitely would target. All right. So I can definitely see a regulators tie in with the 49ers new defense. Under, <laughs> yeah. Under D'Amico Ryan yeah. could absolutely see that with Elijah Griffin there at USC. Um, His dad was Warren G was actually messaging me about him and just like, man, I appreciate you talking about my son. Like it makes me so mad because nobody talks about him. And I was like, dude, I just, my buddy asked me to do a video on him. And that's when I started diving into the film. I'm like, Damn, this dude's good. And I'm just like, I wasn't trying to oversell him in the film study yeah. in my breakdown, but I was just like, there's not much to not like about him. 
I don't know why nobody else is talking about him, but he's solid. So I'm just guessing he's going to go late, you know, day three. But really who knows? His dad was like, telling me, like, he was really good, like, all year, all his numbers. <laughs> it's a really weird class of, like, corners with famous dads. Most of them were former NFL players, too. Um, there, there's, right. I want to ask you about a couple of guys. They're shaped extremely different. Uh, Efetu Melifonwu, 49ers signed his brother Obi Melifonwu. These guys are freaks freaks of nature as far as height weight speed goes he's a long tall corner might have some you know issues as far as short area quickness goes like his brother i'm not sure what's going on with with obi melifon who's second round pick was like 44 inch vertical and like one of the craziest combine workouts you've ever seen and then on the opposite side of it more of a slot player in elijah molden who was like five nine 180 something and ran a four six like i it's hard for me to see that he goes in the top 50 because of his physical profile but he's a straight up baller how do you feel about those two guys how, how fast was elijah more than 40 i think it was four two or four six flat oh my gosh well i know that, that in my breakdown to be of a him, four three guy which is crazy it, in my breakdown i i noticed his vertical speed wasn't good and when guys got behind them they really got behind them he just played in the slot, so he's not – typically in the slot, you're not challenged as much vertically. So a lot of times when you see a smaller guy that's more quick than fast, you'll see them in a slot. Like, even, you know, like a – come on, Williams, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but with him – and I'll start with him since we already started talking about him. A lot to like. I thought he was extremely aggressive um, at, you know, uh, at the contact point with tackling. I thought he was good, uh, you know, his lateral movement and everything, guarding guys underneath. I did a terrific job there. Thought he was really scrappy. Um, he was somebody that I really like. Now he's not in my like top five, top six. I know there are a lot of people that are like, you know, he's like he's a guy. I, I didn't see quite like, oh, I just gotta have him. But I definitely saw a skill set to where you know if he's there day three, he's somebody who where I'm looking at him like, well, I wasn't gonna bring Kawan Williams back. We were able to get him back for cheap, but I'm probably not gonna have him next year. I could see them going after a guy like Elijah Moulton, and, and then. Um, uh, Melifonwu. You know, Melifonwu, um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you have a good eye for these cornerbacks, man. Like, bigger guy, a little bit lumbering with his movement skills. Um, I think he's somebody that has to probably anticipate a little more. Like, his anticipation probably has to be, a, you know, more on point. But um, extremely aggressive, like, tackler. Uh, I, I thought he did a really good job. And sometimes you'll see this, like, did a great job defeating blocks. And it's like, okay, that's great, but – I really want to know if he can cover, you know, and I think he does well covering. He's just not as sudden or twitchy as I ideally would like. But if we're talking about somebody who, you know, late day two, early day three, I think he's probably going to go more in that range. I don't know. If, I'm, I'm interested to see if the NFL is as high on him as draft Twitter. Cause draft Twitter mm -hmm. is really high on him. They're talking about him like second round pick. And I, I, I like the kid. Like we've, I've been messaging with him since he was maybe like a freshman at Syracuse. So I don't want to like talk bad about him or anything like that, but I'm, I am interested to see would the NFL be as high on him as as draft Twitter is because me personally, I see him more as a day three guy. That's where I ideally would want like to take him. But I see the body six three, he's like two twelve, two fifteen, or something like that. He tested crazy, just like his brother. But I think there is a scenario where he could possibly be a little overdrafted. It's tough biomechanically when you're that long and explosive to be both quick in a short area like that. That's it's a rare thing. And so 
Uh, I, I think I w- and I think you agree with me. Even though you're the long corner, you kind of like the smaller corners, which I find extremely interesting, Crocker. Uh, and I don't yeah. know what that says about if, you. If but- I like a longer corner, then he just has like special stuff to him. Yeah. So, um, you know, really the guys that we're talking about at the top, right? Like J.C. Horn, um, you know, Patrick Sertain, uh, Caleb Farley. Like they just got some special different stuff to them that really pops out on the screen. And I, I think you like Greg Newsom too. Is that your top four? He's my my CB2, yeah. Oh, you like – so wait, you like Newsom more than Sertan? Yes. Because Horn is one, right? So you got Horn, mm-hmm. Newsom, Sertan, then Farley? Yeah. Okay. Now, the way I kind of viewed them this year, if I had to rank them, I would say that's my ranking. But I view them more as like tiers. So those, you know, and typically like my receivers in tier one is just two receivers, uh, Chase and Devontae Smith, like just two. My corners in, in my tier one, there's four of them. And the way I kind of view it is if I was on the board, you know, how would I, you know, if I had to like cover my eyes and just point and then just not know which one I'm grabbing, would I be comfortable with? all these guys and all of them, any one of those guys, like I would be, I would love to have any one of them as my corner. I think they do all bring kind of a different skill set. I actually think the most well-rounded is weird because JC Horn is, that's my, that my favorite corner in this class. Like if I just had to choose one, I just think he's different. He has this alpha male uh, mentality. He's like a Jalen Ramsey, right? Where Jalen Ramsey has his kind of, I don't want to say flaws, but sometimes you get him off in space against a twitchier, more sudden receiver. He can get a little trouble, but he just has this Jace, uh, he has these uh, this Jalen Ramsey vibe about him with how he approaches the game, how he prepares, and how he plays the trash talk, like all of it, the competitiveness. It's like it's just a lot of things you can't teach. With Newsom, who probably had like my, my favorite, just pure film from an ability standpoint, his ability to play press as well as he play off. And have like these really good twitchy sudden movement. We talk about like the game kind of potentially moving to more of a cover four off coverage type thing. He fits it perfectly because he's just as good press as he is off. And I think he challenges himself extremely well. He ran in the four three, so he's somebody that tested extremely well. When I was watching him, I'm like, oh, this is this is like Jair Alexander. Like that's what I'm thinking. I'm watching. Then come to find out. He's six foot tall. Like, oh, dang. He's like Jair, but like two, three inches taller. And <laughs> he's you know, over 190 pounds. So he has a really good movement skills that he had good fluidness. Um, I like the confidence and swagger that he played with as well. So that was a guy he probably, that was that was probably my favorite film to watch. But if I had to just choose one guy, it would be J.C. Horn. Yeah, he's, he's someone that jumped out when I was watching. I've been watching so much of these quarterbacks and watching uh, Justin Fields and Newsom's interception. For Northwestern against Fields and also Jamar Johnson, the safety number twenty-two at Indiana. Those two guys jumped out to me. I was like, okay, I, I've got to put notes on these guys to go watch them as defensive backs because they they impressed me while I was watching the quarterback. Yeah, yep. Two more names, really quick, and we got to wrap this up. Robert Rochelle, Central Arkansas. I've been hearing a lot about him. I haven't watched him at all. I know nothing about him, but I'm, people are talking about him as like an early pick that's going to surprise people. And then there's the Stanford guy, Paulson uh, Adibo. What do you see from those two players? Have you watched either of them? Yes. Um, I've watched one game of Rochelle, and I've watched more of Adebo. And it's crazy that you mentioned both of them because I think they are very similar. Like when you when you mentioned Rochelle, the first thing that popped in my head was, ah, a little tight, a little stiff with his movement skills. Then you said Adebo, and I'm like, ah, another one tight, tight <laughs> stiff with his movement skills. Um, they are very similar from that standpoint. 
Um, the weird thing with Adebo, well, I don't want to say weird thing, but it was interesting to see that although he was a little tight with his movement skills, he still was able to like, it was almost like he kind of mastered it. It's like somebody who's slower, like Richard Sherman, right? Not being a blazer, but he's kind of mastered mm-hmm. being not the fastest. I think with Adebo, it was somebody where it's like, well, he's tight with his movements and his feet aren't great, but he's kind of mastered not having the most fluid movements and not having great feet. And it's a rare thing that you see with some guys. So he might be over to, able to overcome it. I know ideally for me, I would just like to see more fluid movements, like just watching the corner. But I definitely can see a scenario where he ends up playing well. Kind of reminds me of Jalen Johnson from last year, the corner from Utah, where I didn't really like like watching what he looked like. But then he ended up going and being like one of the better rookie corners in the NFL last year. He played extremely well for Chicago. So uh, Adebo could maybe be a guy like that who I think he does do some things very well, whether it's kind of like flip his hips to break down on the ball. I thought, you know, kind of getting out of his breaks, he looked good. Uh, Running vertically with guys, but I did watch um, Gabriel Davis tear his ass up in the open field, like just (laughs) was destroying him. And I was just like, ooh, like I I could see what's, what's waiting for you at the next level. Yeah. And I talked about, the Pac-12, in comparison to maybe some of these other conferences, how much is Adebo really being challenged in the Pac-12? Not saying they have no receivers, but how much is he really being challenged in comparison to a guy like, you know, that might be at Georgia or at Arkansas or, you know, somewhere else where you're playing against more elite, talented receivers and they're challenging now. They're challenging all your movement skills more on a down-to-down basis. I don't think he was ever challenged from that standpoint, at least in the games I watched. Is there anything you can take from last year's class? You mentioned Jalen Johnson, and there was Legereus Sneed for the the, um, the Kansas City Chiefs, who was one of the better DBs in the class and kind of played some safeties. Kind of had a sort of a similar vibe to Tarverius Moore coming out of schools. Like, is he a safety? Is he a corner? But he can blaze four three speed at Louisiana Tech. Is there anything you learn from past classes like that where you can apply to this year's class? Um, I, I think which what I was expecting scheme matters so much with the corners. And if you look at the top two guys, and I remember saying this when it happened, but the top two guys, at least at that time, and both both of their staffs were fired. So we'll see how <laughs> the NFL kind of, or <laughs> yeah. the teams kind of changed. But uh, Jeffrey Okuda went number three to the Lions. And I was like, that's too high. And they're drafting him. If they're drafting him to be Darius Slay and what they use Darius Slay for, that's going to be a mistake. He's more of a kind of a press bill, cover four, squeeze routes, be able to read route concepts down from that standpoint and play with anticipation. I think he's great doing that. But just a pure man-to-man guy, and if you ask him to do what you asked Slay to do, that's not going to do it. Well, they asked him to do it, a lot of what Slay did, and it didn't work, and everybody thinks he's just the worst corner ever now. And then you look at C.J. Henderson, who played well in spurts, but even then, he was more – I thought he was somebody that should have went to more like the Lions scheme – where it's like, hey, we're just going to kind of play you in more man, have you shadow guys and kind of be that type of guy. Well, they asked him to be what I thought Akuda should have been. And you see, it was just kind of up and down, kind of him trying to starting to understand where his eyes should be and stuff like that. Like just things that he you're going to have to learn along the ways. But I really learned more so than anything, scheme matters. And we talked about Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson played in a scheme that suited him. He played a lot of, I don't want to say like a similar coverage, but a similar style of defense at Utah as he did with Chicago. And you see it kind of pay off for him to where it's like, Hey, this is a smooth transition. I'm good like that. Um, So I think that's, that's part of it where 
the scheme matters so much, you, especially at cornerback. Don't don't just draft a guy because he is extremely talented. Just make sure that this guy it, it's not like a quarterback or like a receiver where you could you do get to utilize this guy how you want to utilize him, and you can kind of manufacture what it looks like. Corner, you can't. It's like you can either fit the scheme and and it works, or if you don't, you're going to look like you just can't play, you know, cornerback. That is Eric Crocker. You heard it here first. Mac Jones, Tyson Campbell. Those are the two picks for the 49ers. In the first <laughs> and second rounds in the NFL draft. Maybe some Rondell Moore in there. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Croc, so much fun. Thank you for joining me here. And um, I'm so excited to see what's going on with this draft. This is an unprecedented year with the NFL draft as, as far as the 49ers go, like a historic draft. Like I can't wait to reconvene on this in 10 years and us break this down. And they're going to use our old audio from our podcast way back in 2021, breaking down this 2021 draft. It's going to be an epic success or an epic failure with like the biggest bust ever. The 49ers trading three picks for this quarterback or, Oh my gosh, the 49ers drafted the next superstar quarterback and no, oh, and, and everyone was freaking out. And then um, they added the, this uh, superstar corner in round two and another wide receiver. It's like, oh my gosh, this is this is a historic draft. I can't wait to see how it all unfolds. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Fantastic. Find Eric Crocker on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. Croc Talk TV on YouTube. It's got the Striking Gold podcast. Crocker Report. My dude is everywhere. And if you have a young defensive back. Uh, you should probably uh, <laughs> you should probably send him to Eric Crocker to to get some technique down because this is the dude. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Thanks again to Eric Crocker for joining the show with all of his brilliance. Thanks everybody for listening. Enjoy the NFL draft. I'll have everything covered for you Friday throughout the weekend and all through next week and beyond all off season long every day. And don't forget to check out the Locked On NFL YouTube channel with our live coverage of the draft along with the Draft Network. And I'll be back tomorrow right here, Locked On 49ers.